I know somewhere along the way you've heard the phrase, it's not what you know, it's what? Who you know. It's not what you know, it's who you know. And you've probably come across that. Maybe you've even used it. Access that you were trying to get to an organization and someone stopped you at the door and you said, well, I'm here to see so-and-so and and they prove that and then they know that they can let you in because you've used their name to get you into the door. Many people use it to either get their name into an organization or access to an event of some kind. Simple things like getting a ticket or getting tickets to an event so that they can attend them. I'm one of those fortunate guys who has a wife who is a sports nut. I know you know that. But we never have any problem watching all kinds of sports in our house, sometimes even more than I want to watch. And she watches them all and enjoys them all. God, through the years, has given us amazing access because of someone else's name to pretty sit inside track of some of these events. My wife has, the, uh, has had the fortune of being in the locker room of both Heinz Field and Three River Stadium. She's been on the big screen at Heinz Field. We've had some incredible seats at Penguins games right near the guys and watching them come in and out. A couple of years ago, we had the opportunity by using someone else's name to actually be in an airplane that was refueling another one, looking out that portal down on the other one. Not because of us. No one knew who I was. But someone else gave us in, and we got there by their name, and they let us have that access. We've had unbelievable access into the NASCAR arena because it's one of those things we both enjoy. I've gotten the opportunity to meet one of my favorite guys, Joe Gibbs. Had the opportunity at one of them to take my dad. Doesn't it look like him, me? <laughs> You're trying to figure out which one's which, right? The opportunity, to, he really has. Richard Petty's one of my heroes. Had the opportunity to meet him. We had unbelievable access last fall down onto the track through someone else's name. We went to NASCAR country for vacation, had Unbelievable access to Tony Storr's garage and Tony himself, who that year and this year turned about to be the 2011 NASCAR champion. A number of years ago, we went to Washington, D.C. Strictly by using someone else's name, a good friend of mine, we got to be in the office of Senator John Thune, one of the top 10 Republican candidates for President of the United States. And full access to the Capitol and the White House, not full to the White House, but full access to the Capitol and a number of other places, none of them because of us, all because we use someone else's name. I have people continually calling me and say, can I use your name on a reference? Can I use your name for a background check? Do you mind if I put your name down for baby adoption? Do you mind if I put your name down for a college application? Do you mind if I put your name down when I want to go to the sheriff's office to get a gun permit? Do you mind if I put your name down? I know you use one. I know you're okay with that. I have federal officers every once in a while coming to my door, flashing a badge and saying, I want to interview you. Somebody put your name down for a USIS background investigation. And when a federal officer flashes a badge, I sit down and answer their question. I always want to know first if someone has put my name down. But in every case, when I know the individual, I always say yes. We do it all the time. We use people's names for various access into various events. We use people's names to get us into organizations. We use people's names sometimes just to open the door so that we can get into a situation. What I love about God's name and what I love about Jesus' name is he said, you can use my name to have access to the Father. You and I have the opportunity to get into the throne of God, get, into, get access to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, to the, universe, the God of the universe almighty through the power of a name. And that name is Jesus. And Jesus said, every time you go and any time you want to go, just use my name. 
and you have access to the God of heaven. In Exodus chapter 20, which is in our series in the last few weeks, you'll see God talk about His name. But what's interesting in this context here, in the Old Testament setting specifically here, in Exodus chapter 20 verse 7, He doesn't talk so much about using my name to get into a situation or to get into a circumstance or even come to me. He simply talks in this case about misusing His name. And because of the context this morning of the series that we're in out of the Ten Commandments, with all the things that I could say about the name of Christ and getting access to the Father through the name of Jesus, we will at the end. But this morning, for the next few moments, I want to concentrate specifically on verse 7 when he said, be careful how you use my name, be careful when you use my name, and be very careful not to misuse my name in any way at all. In Exodus chapter 20, beginning at verse 7, he said, you shall not, it's not a suggestion, it's a command, you shall not misuse my name. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. In the King James Version that many of us are familiar with, it says you shall not take the name of the Lord your God, what? In vain. Vain in Hebrew means, in Hebrew means worthlessness, nothingness, or useless. In other words, he said, don't bring my name into a place where it has no use or value. It's the same concept that Solomon used in Ecclesiastes when he said, I tried it all. I went after everything in life, and I found out that everything I was pursuing, because it was void of God, was void of meaning. He calls it vanity. Using it in vain is the opposite of the word honor in verse 12 when he says to honor your parents. A modern rendition of verse 7 could read this way, don't reduce my name to a bumper sticker. Don't reduce my name to a cliche that you want to use. Don't render my name to a slogan for your cause or a swear word for your frustration. Don't do that with my name. Why? Well, beyond the obvious that it's the God of the universe that we're talking about who certainly deserves honor, wonder, and awe, practically speaking, it undermines the faith, hope, and trust that we put into that name. Let me give you an example. If every time I heard about you, and every time I heard someone use your name, it was used in a derogatory manner. It was used with ridicule and sarcasm, even though the opposite was true. You're intelligent with a lot to offer. But if all I heard about you was the negative, what are the odds that I would come to you for advice or if I had a need? When the only way people hear about God's name is when it's used in a negative manner, they'll most likely look somewhere else for help and hope, and they do so by the droves. What's even sadder is when people from all over the land come looking to God or looking for God in a church, but all they find is something that seems insignificant and lifeless, even among churchgoers who show no signs of life, who worship the God of the universe so casually, they'll most likely look somewhere else. Because people come from every background you can imagine looking for where God is real. God is alive. God is full. God is filled with life. But when they come and they find themselves in a situation where even those who are worshiping God worship Him so casually without signs of life, they look somewhere else. Hard to imagine, but it's true all the time. Now, when we think of this verse, verse 7, thou shalt not misuse my name or don't take the Lord's name in vain, we usually think of it within the context of swearing. And even when I say swearing, there are a number of things that come to your mind depending on your context or your background. 
For some, swearing centers in around a number of words or a number of phrases. Some are okay, some I shouldn't say, some I have to be careful with, some I shouldn't use in certain situations. Some are okay in some settings. And there are others that you wouldn't want to have used at all. And the spectrum is pretty norm, pretty large, pretty enormous. My wife, however, grew up in a home where you weren't even allowed to use slang words. She couldn't even say heck or darn. Some of you hear that and think, seriously, if that's all I heard where I worked, I'd be thrilled. Because where I work and where I'm at, I hear foul language all the time, so much so every once in a while, it turns my stomach. I can't even imagine what it's like to come for you on Sunday morning to give praise and adoration to the God of the universe when all week long you've heard his name used in a derogatory manner and trash to no end. Between college and seminary, between seminary and my first church, came back to Western PA wanting to get into the pastorate, tired of college, tired of school, couldn't wait to start, came back, moved here, only to find there wasn't a single church open in all of Western PA, and that's where we wanted to be. Ended up for two years driving truck for Bearings Incorporated out of Rochester, PA, and I drove and delivered bearings, literally, to mills in all of Beaver County and Butler County and Armstrong County and a number of other places. I heard language I'd never heard before in my whole life when I drove into some of these places. Some of these people could curse the tires off of my truck, and some were ladies. And those of you who work in those kinds of environments, when you hear that all the time, and you hear it day after day, time after time, event after event, sometimes it gets so weary that you're almost numb, and other times you come to church on Sunday morning just waiting to get away from that and wanting to be able to use God's name in a rightful place. But so often we hear this phrase and we think of it used in a derogatory manner, and many times that's exactly what God's talking about. There are a number of ways that we can misuse God's name and reduce its value. This morning I want to just give you a few. One would be mind, what I would call mindless overuse. See, overuse isn't the issue. You can't call on God's name enough. The issue is mindless overuse. Phrases or repetitive prayers, not always just God is good, God is great, let us thank Him for our food. Not always that, but it's repetitive phrases or repetitive prayers that are done so often in so many ways that we almost do them mechanically until for whatever reason we've lost the power, we've lost the wonder, we've lost the meaning of the God we're coming to. Jesus said, I want you to avoid vain repetition. There's that word again. When, it, when you come to God in prayer, I don't want you to just repeat words over and over again or repeat phrases over and over again so often that you lose the meaning and forget who it is you're coming to. Don't misuse my name. Don't use it so often and overuse it in so many ways that after a while you don't even recognize who you're talking to. It's just simply a phrase that I mechanically perform in a certain situation. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, God says, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Don't go near to listen rather than to offer sacrifices of fools who don't know when they're doing wrong. Don't be quick with your mouth. Don't be hasty with your heart to utter anything before God. When you make a vow to God, don't delay in fulfilling it. It takes no pleasure in that. It's better to be honest with you not to make a vow if you make one and don't fulfill it. In other words, God is saying very clearly in this section of Scripture, when you come before a holy God, recognize who you're coming to. When you come before a holy God, don't be flippant, don't make promises that you can't keep, and don't go on and on and on doing all the talking and very little listening. When you come into the presence of Almighty God, recognize who you're coming to and listen just as much as you talk. Mindless overuse. 
Another way to misuse God's name or to take His name in vain is when we use His name for personal manipulation. It's when I want you to do something or I want to say something to you or I really wanted to talk to you about something, but I attach God's name to it by telling you God told me when I'm not sure if He did. I call it spiritual manipulation. A pastor friend of mine calls it the God card. It's when someone's at a meeting and they're trying to make a decision about something and one person, one individual really wants their way about this particular issue and then they slam down this invisible God card and say, well, God told me this. And then everybody not sure how to argue that and not sure what to say about it. I've often wondered what it's like for God in heaven every once in a while to hear that phrase, God told me this, God said that. If every once in a while God's saying, I didn't say that. Gabriel, did you tell them I said, did you tell them to them? But there are so many times in so many areas that we use that phrase, sometimes so flippantly and casually, other times to try to get people to go in a different direction or to steal them, steer them in a particular way, and we're really not sure, to, really honest, of what God said to us. One of the obvious ways that we abuse this is when the prophetic gifts get abused. I believe God still speaks prophetic messages through His people. I believe that God still speaks prophetic messages through His people. I believe in the gift of prophecy. And not just the Old Testament gift of prophecy, the New Testament, one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, gifts of prophecy when God speaks a prophetic message through an individual or to an individual. But if it's not used by mature people, it can sometimes be dangerous, hurtful, or manipulative. Be very careful when you say, God says, or God told me, make sure you know he did. In Ezekiel 22, he said these prophets of, of hers, he's speaking of another God, say all of these things about what the sovereign Lord has said when he has not spoken. God's speaking through the prophet Ezekiel here to the prophets of Israel and says, you're seeing false visions and you're saying thus saith the Lord when God hasn't spoken. Be very careful. Because when saying God has said this and God has said that, when you know or at least you're not sure if he did, I believe it is taking God's name in vain and using it in other places when it shouldn't be used. And it takes the value out of that thus saith the Lord because he didn't. Now sadly, because of abuses, with many people running around throughout the years saying God told me this or God told me that, it makes us very skeptical and uncertain about what God really has said and it could cause us to miss a genuine message from God. Pastors can be guilty of it. Getting people to give a certain amount of money or to participate in a certain cause or to serve in a certain ministry saying, I really believe that God wants you to do that. If indeed as a pastor you really are certain that God wants them to do that, then you ought to say that. But there are times that if we're not careful, we use it to manipulate people into doing something we would love for them to do and we attach God's name to it just so that they'll do it. God says, be careful what you do with my name. Because any time that we misuse it to manipulate people, we devalue the work of God's Spirit, making people unsure of how to hear God's voice. God still speaks to people and through people. All I'm saying is be very careful with that phrase, the Lord told me, and make sure you know he did. One of the other ways that we can misuse his name is when we don't live up to our calling or what we're called. Paul in Ephesians chapter 4 lays out one of the most amazing groundworks you can imagine in the first three chapters and then starts chapter 4 by saying this, in light of everything that I've said to you, 
in light of all that you've known about God, in light of all that you've seen him do in your life, taking you from darkness to light and bringing you into his kingdom, I beg you, I plead with you as a prisoner of God, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. The name Christian is what's given to us because we're followers or imitators of Jesus. It is not given to us or should not be given to us or taken by us because we live in a Christian nation or go to a Christian church. The name Christian means a follower or an imitator of Christ. So if I'm going to claim that I'm a Christian, and I hope every single one of you in the room do, but if I'm going to claim that you're a Christian, it's not because of the church you go to or I go to a Christian church or I'm in a Christian nation. The name Christian means I'm an imitator of Christ. I'm a follower of Jesus. And so when you take that name, Paul says, I just want you to live a life worthy of the name that you have chosen, worthy of the name that you've received, worthy of the calling that you have on your life as a follower or an imitator of Christ. The people are surprised when they find out that you're a Christian because they don't see any difference between you and a non-believer. Maybe you shouldn't be using the name Christian, or as you take that name Christian, I want to live the life that it calls to. I don't want to misuse God's name. I don't want to, I don't want to misuse that term Christian. I'm going to use it, and I'm telling you, as best of my ability, I want to be a follower and imitator of Christ as I do that. Some people misuse God's name and, and use it in a way to gain trust so that you'll let your guard down. Things like swear to God. Swear to God is true. Or as God is my witness, you can trust me. And sometimes we use that phrase to try to get people to believe that we're on the right track or saying the right thing or they can believe in us. God says very clearly in Matthew chapter 5, don't swear by an earth at all, by any oath at all, either by heaven or on earth. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Talk straight. Be a person of integrity. You're as good as your word. And don't use his word or don't use his name to try to get people to think you're something that you're not. Be who you are and be what God's called us to be. Now, the one that we normally think of, or the one that we, of course, probably have come to our mind that we're most familiar with when it comes to the use of God's name is when it's used for profanity. We hear it all the time. There are movies I will not go to, movies I will not rent, movies I will not watch, because the language is ridiculous. It's foul. It's horrible. I can't even imagine exposing my mind to that. I've read it some not knowing, put it in three minutes into it, and it's usually pretty clear when it's going to happen. But two or three minutes into it, you're going, why would I want to expose myself to all of this language? You and I probably are in other settings, and I'm sure you're in more than I am. When you hear it everywhere, you hear it at work, you hear it at movies, you hear it at school, our kids in school are inundated with stuff that no human being should ever have to deal with, but they hear it all the time. What's sad is if it's in a home. It's used by so many people sometimes, they're not even sure what they're saying. They're not even sure how often they're saying it. They're not even sure when they say it. They just use God's name in a derogatory manner. And to be really honest with you, it is, the, it is a despicable way to use God's holy name. To use it in a foul way or in a language way or in a cursing way or even to curse someone as if we have the power and we have the authority to do something about that. We live in a culture that's constantly concerned about being politically correct, and some of us very good. We need to be extremely careful and select our words carefully and think about the effect they have on people. The Proverbs writer said the tongue has the power to bring life and bring death. But some of our political correctness borders on insanity. 
What's sadly ironic is when people blaspheme the name of God, reduce His holy name to a curse, and no one bats an eye, and no one says a word. The name of God isn't to be misused. It is to be used well. It's to be used to have access to the throne of God Himself. It's to be used when we come to God for any need in any circumstance, in any situation. There's going to come a day when every knee will bow, when God highly exalts Jesus to that rightful place as if he's already there and as he's already there now. And God at that point, it says in Philippians chapter 2, will give him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee would bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. And every tongue will acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You and I need to remember this about that name. It says he is the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the prince of peace, the everlasting Father, the Messiah, the Lord, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He is the Alpha and Omega, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The name of Jesus, able to heal the lame, restore sight to the blind, cause the cripple to walk, and even raise the dead. The name of Jesus is used to bind the enemy and bring life to the brokenhearted. Do not misuse that name or abuse that name because the name of Jesus can heal the, name, the lame. The name of Jesus can restore sight to the blind. It can cause the cripple to walk. It can have the dead raised to life. You can use his name to bind the enemy. You can use his name to bring life to the brokenhearted. But do not misuse that name and do not abuse that name because he's the Lamb of God. He's the light of the world, the word of life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He is the key to knowledge, the wellspring of wisdom. He is the doorway to deliverance. He is the pathway of peace. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway to glory. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. He is the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords. The Apostle John had an opportunity to look down through time and get a glimpse of the future. He said, I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. From every nation and tribe and people and language standing before the throne of God. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. They cried out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God. To him who sits on the throne forever and ever and ever give praise and honor and glory and thanks to him who deserves all our praise and deserves all our attributes. They sang a new song. They said, you're worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain, because by your blood you purchased us for God, people from every tribe and every language and every nation. You made them a kingdom of light. You made them a kingdom of priests, and they'll reign on this earth. I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands, 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne of the Lamb, in a loud voice, they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and glory and honor and praise. I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and under the sea and all that is in them said to him who sits on the throne, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. That will be the day when every knee will bow at the name of Jesus and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Do not misuse that name. Use it wisely. Use it well. Use it for what it was intended to be.